Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with a bonus edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. When a wife discovers that her husband has been unfaithful, it is devastating and life-changing. No woman wants to experience betrayal trauma. Today's guest is Deborah Wallace, author of In His Grace, Embracing Your Worth After Sexual Betrayal. She shares her personal story of healing from betrayal and how that led to her writing this book for other wives facing a similar path. If you're a wife who needs hope in what feels like a hopeless situation, Deborah has a powerful message for you. To learn more about Deborah and get her book, visit DebraWallace.org. For more resources, visit BeBroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And please, after the show, would you rate and review the podcast in order to help others find it? Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries, and Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Now, let's dive into our conversation with Deborah. Well, all right, Deborah Wallace, welcome to the program. Thank you for the opportunity to have me here. Yeah, well, we definitely wanted to have you on here because um, you have written this excellent book that I'm holding up for our video viewers called In His Grace with the subtitle of Embracing Your Worth After Sexual Betrayal. And we are definitely going to want to get into some of the, what you've written in here. But first, uh, I would love for you to just be able to share some of your story and how you actually got to this point of then putting into words um, what you've written in this book. Sure. Um, well, back in 2007 is when I had my discovery day, and I really thought it was, uh, since it was my husband's issue, that he was the one that needed to pursue recovery, and I really wasn't interested, And even though I needed help and support, because um, I was feeling pretty hopeless and helpless at that time. I didn't ever think about writing a book back then, but as I did start pursuing uh, healing and recovery, I was looking for a book that applied to my specific circumstances, which um, included a husband with same-sex issues, and I couldn't find anything that addressed it. And even though my book is really for anyone who's experienced betrayal, I do include uh, that topic just so that women don't feel excluded and mm. that they just can have someone who has been through it and survived. And so they can know that they're not alone in it and they can survive too and move forward. Yeah. So, so you know, that's, uh, that's 15 years. That's, that's a long journey. Um, this book is pretty recent, <laughs> right? I mean, it's this year. So uh, can you, can you share with us some of the things that some of the layers that happened in your healing? Because I think you, you, you said it beautifully when you said, Hey, when you had your discovery day and realized, Oh my goodness, my husband's got all these issues that I didn't know about these secrets that it did feel like, okay, great. That's his issue. Let's get him, you know, on a path to recovery or whatever. And everything's gonna be great. But as you started to realize that this was going to be a journey for you also in terms of healing, what were some of the key stages or things that you learned even over these 15 years as far as like, oh, I didn't necessarily realize that's what 
I would have to address, or that's what I would need to go through. Mm -hmm. So when I, about three years after I found out, that's when I started pursuing recovery. And it, I can't say everything was a really good experience. The counselor that I went to, uh, although he was a Christian counselor, um, he really didn't give me any hope. Mm. Kind of a, what are you still doing with him? Kind of attitude, and uh, a dog returns to his vomit. So there's really no hope for this marriage, that kind of thing. But even then, I knew that with Jesus, there is hope. So I did leave discouraged because I didn't really get the coping skills or what I needed just to um, keep our marriage together for for the time being, anyway. Because I really did want to keep our family unit together. Um, and then I, we did do an intensive up in Colorado Springs. And when we came back from that, um, the people up there really urged me to pursue a support group. So I found one and uh, it, it was called a COSA group, which is kind of co-sex addict or codependent of sex addict. So I really didn't like that label from the very beginning. But that's where I met Gigi, and she was my battle buddy. And so we walked through our recovery together, and um, that was really a blessing in my life to have someone who I could call when I was, you know, just desperate or, you know, go share a coffee or, you know, just knowing that someone was in my camp to help me through everything. Um I know since then, the recovery groups and um, the books written have been much more trauma-informed, and so I'm grateful for that mm -hmm. because rather than labeling a wife as someone with a problem or helping assist uh, the addict, <laughs> which is not really true, I mean, you can have some codependent behaviors, but those are usually a trauma response from what you're going through. You know, if you're going to check up on somebody, it's because you want to feel safe and secure. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not necessarily that you have all these codependent issues, but um, yeah, I, I um, even way off way down the road after I had separated, that's when I also um, did the be broken wives care group. And that was really helpful for me, even that late in the game. But I think the pivotal thing that changed is when I started to believe that God's word was true about me. And, you know, it's a spiritual battle that we're going through. And once I realized, you know, that all these scriptures um, taken to heart and applied to memory really were my... Um, my, what I used to do battle with, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so memorizing scripture was very key in, and I, I would say, I would take a scripture. I was in a Bible study and we were, um, encouraged to memorize one verse every two weeks. So at the end of the year, you had 24 verses that you could go to and that the Holy spirit would prompt you when you needed that verse. And so I memorized that many verses and I, 
I was the same as it, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not good at memorizing. I don't want to do this, but I did. And that is what was life changing for me because I was tucking God's word in my heart so that when I needed to fight the enemy, I would have those Mm. verses. And I will say that that's one thing that definitely comes out in your book. You have tons of scripture. (laughs) I know. And, and I think it's wonderful because it's showing just how much God's word was weaving through your story, not only a healing message, but a message of your identity, a message of your worth, a message of your value, a message of his grace. So mm-hmm. uh, let's talk a little bit about the book. Uh, you know, first of all, you, you know, you've gone through this long journey. It's had so many ups and downs. Um, uh, and what got you eventually to this point? Why did you feel compelled then to, to then write this book? So we were married for 10 years and really no issues. Um, we had two children. It was a happy marriage. I thought everything was going fine. But when I discovered that, then the following 12 years, because we had a total uh, marriage of 22 years, the next 12 years, I thought we were both pursuing recovery and, um, you know, they say, believe actions, not words. Well, he was going to group, he was getting counseling, everything showed me that he was, you know, willing to do the work to keep the marriage together. But in truth, it was 12 years of deceitfulness. And so (laughs) you may need to repeat the question, but, um, I I got to a point where um, it's like there's other women that are going through this too. And it's mm-hmm. it's not that this kind of betrayal is better or worse than any other kind. You just, you know, you don't compare stories. But there is a level of shame that yeah. women want to isolate themselves. And then we start blaming ourselves and, well, what did I do wrong? You know, there must be something I did to cause this. And so your worth um, just kind of mm-hmm. goes away and and you need to get that identity back where it belongs and your focus on Jesus. Yeah. And I think some of it, too, is maybe even unintentionally, there is this kind of message that, again, is subtle. It's not spoken, but maybe in kind of the recovery world, in the certainly in the church, there's this message that's kind of portrayed of, well, there's only one acceptable outcome to these kinds of issues, and that's restoration of the marriage, right? So everything mm-hmm. gets focused on that marriage relationship, almost to the point where, uh, in many ways, either or both of the individuals in the marriage can kind of get discarded along the way. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. usually that's the wife more than the husband, because if the husband's the one that's had the addiction, addictive behavior, oh my goodness, so much focus gets put on him, right? And all this, and sometimes then there's just not much focus put on the wife, but it's all usually about keeping that marriage intact, right? So I think mm-hmm. what you've done here is beautiful because it's necessary, no matter what the outcome is, there mm-hmm. is a sense in which somebody who's been betrayed needs to understand their worth and their identity before God as a, as a child made in his image. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, early on in the book, you do talk about just the, the very real faith struggle, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when, when all of this is not working out, 
the way that you'd hoped for or the the way that you would expect that, you know, healing or recovery or just life should go. I mean, you said, hey, you had these 10 years in marriage where it didn't seem like anything was wrong. And then boom, a bomb blew up in your life. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what it's like to travel through what they what we really call that cognitive dissonance, that conflict, that kind of those faith trials um, as it pertains to dealing with betrayal. Yes. Um, I know not everyone goes through a crisis of faith and I was a Christian. I am a Christian, but even back then um, I still had questioning, you know, still asking God, why are you allowing this to happen? And I was married before this marriage also and due to infidelity same thing um i it was kind of what went through my mind was well if my own husband doesn't love me then god must not love me either mm-hmm. and the enemy just loves to put that in your head and keep you keep it festering you know um so um, it, when the second, in the second marriage, when it happened, it was just like, oh, <laughs> not again, you know, what's going on? And, and I was so ashamed. I didn't share it with my side of the family at all. Nobody even knew what was going on until we were already divorcing. So that's 12 years of quiet and kind of having to keep a facade of that everything's okay. Mm. And, I think I did that and kept quiet just because I kept thinking, well, he's getting healing and nobody will ever have to know. And if they did find out, they'd look at him differently. So it was kind of protecting him too. Um, Lots of different reasons for keeping quiet. I mean, when I look back now, I could have used the support from my side of the family, but um, just never did uh, share it. How did, but, um, how did how did God meet you in all of that confusion, uh, the crisis of faith? Because sometimes, you know, not everybody comes back to their faith and has their faith deepened. So, how did God meet you and and sort of uh, affirm your faith and reaffirm your belief in Him and your trust in Him throughout those twelve years? Mm-hmm. Um, it really started with one verse, the Proverbs 31, 25 verse, where it says, um, we are clothed in strength and dignity. We can laugh without fear of the future. Um, when I read that, it was like, yeah, that's true for the Bible study ladies, but that must not be true for me because I have no dignity. I just felt like a doormat. Um, um and strength, you know, I felt very weak, um, without hope. Mm-hmm. And, um, I certainly wasn't laughing. I was crying a lot. <laughs> so that verse, I mean, I just thought that was so far out there. I knew it was a proverb, but, um, I started claiming that verse as true. And I would speak it out loud because then the enemy has to flee when he hears anything about Jesus or, um, any truth of God's word. He doesn't want anything to do with that. So I just kept claiming that. And pretty soon 
it's like the Holy Spirit was whispering to me that this is true about you and you will have dignity again and you, you are strong and you can laugh about the future because I hold your future. So you don't have anything to fear. So I just kept choosing verses that really spoke to me. And that's really um, what got me, you know, aligned with God's word and, and knowing his truth and just not relenting. Um, you know, maybe back then uh, it was maybe, you know, 15 minutes a day or whatever, Uh but as I've grown, it's like I crave that time with the Lord and it gets longer and longer because he's teaching me more and more. My faith increases more and more. So each day it's just an adventure with God. And um, I don't know, your faith just grows when you've been through something difficult and you see God being faithful in all of it. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, we know that, that uh, clarity and truth is so vital to, for someone whose world has been rocked by betrayal, right? Because everything becomes kind of this fog. Uh, I've heard it mentioned many times. It's like you're in a cloud. Uh, it's hard mm -hmm. to kind of know which way is up. Uh, one of the things that you bring out in the book that is certainly something that we do even in our wives' care is really letting um, women know about the four C's. Can you, can you <laughs> yeah. share what the four C's are and why that is so important to kind of stabilize a woman who has faced betrayal. Yes. As I mentioned before, we feel like um, something's wrong with us or we did something to cause it. So the first C is you are not the cause. It is not your fault. Um, usually, you know, husbands, they didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to cheat on you. It, it's been developing over a long time. And um, he, most likely had issues long before you even met each other. So you are not the cause. That's the first C. And then you cannot control your husband. Um, I mean, I tried to, uh, you know, check up on him and, and um, tell him what to do. And, you know, this would be a good idea and, uh, you know, create some boundaries and boundaries are good because they um, they are expressing what you need from your husband. But um, there's a point of control. If you are just doing that all the time, you will make yourself crazy trying to keep up with what he's up to. And, oh, I should never have to wonder about what your husband's up to. Um, so you can't control. And, and the quicker that you realize this and can release it to the Lord, um, just have that healthy detachment. And that's another thing that Be Broken teaches <laughs> in their wives' care. I've learned a lot from, from wives' care group. But um, just knowing that, that you don't have to do that. Um, mm -hmm. And then the third C is you can't cure your husband. Um, really, it, I believe... It's all Holy Spirit, and there has to be a heart change. And the only way for that to happen is for the husband to decide on his own that that's truly what he wants. He wants to seek the Lord and heal his marriage. And then the last C is a positive one. You can choose your own mm -hmm. healing. And that's 
what I would encourage women to choose early on rather than wait like I did, because the sooner you get some help and support, the better off you will be. Yeah, that's so good. And I love that. I love the fact that there is that positive, um, because sometimes it can feel like a wife that, that all of a sudden now she's just kind of following whatever direction the husband's recovery goes or doesn't go. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and that's reactionary, right? That's only responsive where this is saying, no, you know what you can, you can choose as an individual made in the image of God to lean in to what he's calling you to, as far as healing, understanding your identity, um, knowing your worth well enough to establish healthy boundaries, right? That's a huge part of establishing boundaries. Boundaries aren't yes. punitive. Boundaries are protective, right? Saying, wait a second, I'm not a piece of trash. I'm not to be abused. I'm not to be used <laughs> and discarded. It's like, no, there needs to be a boundary there of protection. So let's talk yes. about that a little bit too, because you do talk about boundaries in the book. Um, why is that so essential that a a woman not only understand boundaries, but then also have a network of support to help her establish those boundaries. Because how much harder is it for a woman who is who has experienced betrayal to do all of this on her own rather than actually have help from other women to do it together? Yeah, I think a support group is so beneficial because when you're in that early stage or when you're in the stage of setting boundaries, it's like, what do I do now? I mean, it's kind of like so confusing. You just don't know where to start, you know? Um, And sometimes it's just baby steps, but you have to kind of realize or write down, you know, what are your needs and what are your values and what's a deal breaker for you. And then if, if something happens, you, you actually have power Um, to say, okay, this happened. I don't accept this. And this is what I need from you to not have this happen again. Or, you know, you have to, it really helps to write them out so that there's no confusion. And um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it, it's like, I, I was not good at setting boundaries. And part of that reason was just being brought up with Christianity, you get this, some women get this idea, oh, well, I, God forgave me, I have to forgive him. So you're just always extending this forgiveness, always extending this grace, but you don't have anything set for any change to happen. So um, when you're in a support group and other women can share, well, They can't tell you what to do, but they can say, this is what worked for me. Mm -hmm. And I got this result. Maybe you could try it or, you know, you get different ideas for how, um, how other women dealt with, you know, the issues in their own marriages. So. Well, and what um, is the, what is the value also of understanding boundaries and setting boundaries just for you personally, even if your husband isn't going on the road of recovery or whatever, what's the value to you just as an individual person, as an individual woman to say, I'm establishing a line here. Yeah. It's, it's helps you get your dignity back mm-hmm. and give you back some of the power. I mean, not like it's a power war, but you have to 
um, just establish what you think is important and, um, and kind of stick to it. And when you give a boundary, um, are you, if there is a consequence to that boundary, are you willing to uh, go through with it? Or it, it's not just your words either, you know, say, well, if you do that again, this is what's going to happen. You, you can't, you have to really think it through before you state your boundary right. so that you, you can be able to um, go through with it or, you know. Um, now, you mentioned in your book, one of your chapters is on uh, self-care and moving forward. Now, what's interesting to me is I want you to talk about self-care and why that's so important. But I found it interesting that it's like the third from the last chapter in your book. So it's like way down. Was that strategic in terms of you putting it kind of far down in the process of what you were talking about? Because some people would think, oh, man, you got to throw that way up in the front. How did how did that look like in your own life? And why is self-care so important? And, and maybe why did it come a little later in your book? It probably came later in my book because I did not take care of myself <laughs> um, early on. It's just like you still have all of these obligations, all of these responsibilities, even though you're going through what you're going through, everything needs to be tended to. And you just don't have time for yourself. I, I mean, in groups and stuff, I would encourage women every day you need to figure out what brings you joy and do something that brings you joy every day. Um, I don't know if it was good putting it at the end of the book, but um, it's something that we need to be reminded of every day to uh, figure out what we need to do to take care of ourselves. And well, I think it was one of those things, the way it came across to me wasn't so much that you were trying to create something totally linear. Cause a lot of these things, they just overlap and intertwine. Right. But it almost seemed like there were some other things that felt more foundational. Like, hey, you have to acknowledge sometimes the faith crisis that is going to happen. You've got to go through these four C's. You've got to see things around boundaries and some of that. And then it's almost like then the fog can lift where it's like, oh, yeah, I haven't been taking care of myself in a healthy <laughs> way. And I need to do that. So that's yeah. the way it kind of came across to me. Um so just whether it was strategic or not, it felt strategic to me and <laughs> how I was reading it. Well, as long as women understand that self-care is not selfish yeah. because they really need, um, yeah, we need to stay healthy for the people who we love and want to care for. And um, it's all a part of, of the healing process. Yeah. And then one of the last uh, chapters you have is on lessons. Can you talk a little bit about just lessons you've learned and, and how that can bring a message of hope to other women who may feel like they're in the fog right now, they're drowning, their, their D-Day was yesterday. Um, how have the lessons that you have learned helped you to then pass along to other women a sense of hope that they too can heal from betrayal? Yeah. Um, well, I know one of the lessons we can choose who we want to trust. Um, it's like I said before, we look at um, actions, not words, but we have a, 
kind of an inner spirit that tells us, you know, if someone's being truthful with us or um, maybe it's just the Holy Spirit. And so it's still our choice um, who to trust and who are safe people. And if you're going to a counselor that says something like, um, you know, all men look at porn, get over it or something like that. Well, then you can realize that that's not a safe person. You're not going to trust that person's wisdom or advice or whatever they're trying to give you. And you can start um, looking for another uh, counselor Um, because we know that trust is built over time with righteous behavior and we can watch that. And, um, well, I, I was very deceived <laughs> mm-hmm. because I believed, you know, but I really, I applaud the women who are, um, able to, you know, stick with their husbands and be patient with their husbands. Um, but the honesty factor is so huge. Uh, yeah. we have to be able to, to trust, trust their word. Well, speaking of that, now maybe take a couple steps back here because earlier in the book, you kind of talk about the issue of, of narcissism, some of those kind of things. And let's just be honest, there's, you know, everything's kind of on a bell curve, right? So that while there may be the majority of women who face betrayal, there are certain things that are kind of um, typical, right? In terms of what the relationship is, but there's sometimes kind of out on those edges. It's like, well, listen, Sometimes you are dealing with uh, narcissistic personalities. Sometimes you are dealing with a level of sociopathic deception that is not common. And I, th- I think in many ways, Deborah, that's really what you lived through. There were issues of deception that it was like, oh my goodness, that's that's not common. That's not typical. Um, but but I think because you've traveled through that, maybe you've also gained a sensitivity and sort of a radar for being able to detect some of those things, what were some of those kinds of lessons that maybe you could pass on to the other women to say, you know, some of the things that I learned to look for, not just in behavior, but also maybe in tone, in attitude, in demeanor. Is there anything that you would like to share with women that would be kind of some helpful tips on that to say, am I being deceived? Am I still being, you know, lied to? Mm -hmm. Um. I I got pretty good at spotting red flags, although it wasn't until the towards the end of the relationship that I, I mean, I've heard the word narcissism before, but, you know, I just thought it was kind of a selfish person. But when I started seeing what, when I started doing research about what is it, it's like, oh yeah, check that box, check that box. You know, I started you know, learning what to look for more. And so if someone, um, well, you use the term gaslighting, um, it's in the little things too. If they lie about little things, Mm. what makes me want to believe in, you know, the big things or it's, um, I don't know. It's, I guess it's, you get a sense of um, once you're, once you've been lied to, then your little antennae go up and it's like, okay, 
let me step back and examine this a minute. <laughs> you know, you're just more alert to other red flags. And um, yeah, and one of the things that I would say too, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, I've just, this is something that I tell guys in recovery all the time is if they want to know that their heart is actually changing, not that, the, not that just they're checking the boxes of recovery behavior, but if they want to actually have kind of a little bit of a litmus test of like, am I changing on the inside? I tell them there's two G's to look for, gratitude and generosity or gentleness, gratitude and gentleness. It's like if a grateful heart is starting to pour out of you, in other words, you're starting to find that you've got a general sense of, I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful that this wife is still in my life. I'm thankful for fill in the blank. And also the other thing too, is if a gentle spirit is starting to show up. In other words, there's not harshness, there's not defensiveness, there's not trying to you know, be angry because she's looking over my shoulder again, but just like, okay, I understand why she would want to check up on me. I understand why she's feeling afraid and angry and hurt. So those are two things that I've often thought that's something to look for beyond just behavior or even just words. It's like, it's an attitude of gratefulness and and gentleness. Absolutely. I agree with you. Um, yeah, if if you ask just a simple question, um, did you pay the electric bill, something like that, and they get defensive right away, it's like, okay, what's up with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, the gentleness and gratefulness, I totally agree with that. Those are two good, um, good yeah. keys to... Well, Deborah, as we wrap up, so this is the book, In His Grace, and um, tell our listeners how they can get a copy of this and where they can get some more uh, resources. Okay. Currently, it's on Amazon. So if you just um, search In His Grace, Deborah Wallace, it will pop up right away. And um, I also uh, have a website, DebraWallace.org. And twice a week, I, if you want to sign up for the email, I send out encouraging posts um, for that. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook. My Facebook is Deborah Wallace Writes. And my Instagram is B underscore of good cheer. So um, those are two places you can find me. Yeah. If you want some encouragement. <laughs> yeah. Well, Deborah, this has been encouraging. And thank you so much for uh, writing this book, for um, being open with the the story that you have traveled, the journey that you've been on. Um, and, and, I, and thank you for being a voice of hope for other women who are facing similar stories. And we're, we're glad that you were with us today. Mm, thank you so much, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're going to put all this information in the show notes so you can get access to the book and uh, Deborah's emails and writings. Um, and so if you want more help, uh, also, we've got our Wives Care Ministry that can help you walk along the healing journey uh, if you face betrayal in your marriage. Uh, but we're glad you've been with us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. So take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.